You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Bibles, please. Let's turn to the book of Job, spelled like Job, J-O-B. Perhaps we're told it's the oldest book in the Bible. I'm certain it is. But um, Job, Job was a man that went through some huge problems, but it lasted only one year. Thank God for that. But in that year, he experienced everything, everything. You talk about heartaches and difficulty. I want you to read with me Job chapter 6, if you would, please. Could we read Job 6, verses 1 through 4? Job 6, 1 through 4. Let's begin in verse 1. Let's stay together. Ready? Begin. But Job answered and said, Oh, that I might read. He says in verse 8, Oh, that I might have my request and that God would grant me the thing that I long for. What does he long for? Verse 9, Even that it would please God to destroy me. He let loose his hand and cut me off. He said, I'm just, I'm just worn out with this whole situation. How about chapter 7? Chapter 7. The Bible says, is there not a, an appointed time to man upon the earth? Verse 3, so am I made to possess months of vanity, uh, just emptiness, and wearisome nights are appointed to me. When I lie down, I say, when shall I rise and the night be gone? And I'm full of tossings to and fro until the dawning of the day. My flesh is clothed with worms and clogs of the dust. My skin is broken. Verse 6, my days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle and are spent without hope. So many hopeless people. Go to verse number 15, please. So that my soul cho chooses strangling and death rather than life. I loathe it. I would not live always. Let me alone. For my days are vanity. What is man that thou should magnify him, that thou should set thine heart upon him, that thou shouldst visit him in the morning and try him every moment? How long thou wilt thou not depart from me or let me alone till I swallow down my spittle? I just want to die. He said, he, he, later in this text, he said, uh, verse chapter 10, chapter 10, verse 1, my soul is weary of life. I guess that says it all. He said, I'm just so tired of it. Perhaps I'm speaking to someone today, you're just, you're just tired of it. 
It seems like whatever relationship or situation you touch, it's just hopeless. It might be business. It might be marriage. It might be loneliness. It might be your health. I'm just so frustrated. And sometimes in life, everything feels like it's going wrong. And Job came to that point. He was a righteous man, chapter 1, verse 1. He eschewed evil. He hated evil. He loved God. There wasn't, more righteous, there wasn't a more righteous man in the east than Job. He sought God. He had 10 raised children, adult children. They were in the homes. They were feasting. And, and he prayed for them. And at one moment's instant, a, 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 a great disaster took place and all of his children died. And then in the same breath, one came and said, all your animals, and he began to list all the animals, they've been destroyed. And your lands have been destroyed. And everything, everything in your life is destruction. Perhaps you've never been to that point. Perhaps it's just a little thing here and there. But how we react to the sorrows of life will determine how God uses us in life and how we can bring praise to his name. I want to speak on a word I do not like to, I rarely use this word. I don't like the word. It's not found in the Bible, but it's found in life. And many in this room are walking around with this word today. It's the word depression. We want to look from the word of God about this subject of depression because it's so real. It affects so many people. The medical doctor, his or her responsibility is to deal with depression with their patients as they come to see them. Uh, they assign uh, medicine and perhaps professional counseling and uh, they work at it in that regard. And I'm not attacking them. The nutritionist says we can deal with this you're low in this and this, and, and so we're going to give you a better diet. You need better sleep. You need better nutrition. You need herbs and vitamins. You need exercise, and that's the way the nutritionist deals with it. I'm not a medical doctor. I'm not a nutritionist, but I'm a preacher of the gospel. And today, I want to show you what the Word of God says, how to deal with this situation called depression. How do we deal with it when everything looks hopeless and say, well, I'm not there. I, I, I'm on the winning side. Well, you might be today, but you're one phone call away from troubles coming. For man that is born of woman, his days are few and full of troubles as sparks fly upward. And I'm not Mr. Depressive. I would hope that you would say I, our pastor is very, uh, very positive. What is the word depression? It means to be low. When a person is going through depression, it is to be very low. It's downward movement. It's as low as you can get. And so today, if a person is depressed, they're low. You cannot stay there. That's not God's plan. Amen. There's so much different, and I won't be able to exhaust them all. There's clinical depression. There's polar depression. There's bipolar depression. There's psychotic depression. There's hyponemia depression. There's manic depression. There's melancholic depression. 
There is a, there is a cataconic depression and postpartum depression and personality depression. We know it in the business world, economic depression. America lived through what they called the Great Depression, the great downward turn where we had to stand, we didn't, but our, our fathers stood in soup lines and bread lines to get food. Depression is downward. But it's not found in the Bible to live that way. We sing, I'm pressing on thee. What's the next word? Upward way. Upward way. God says, looking unto Jesus. That's not looking down, that's looking up. But you look at the average person on the streets today of America, they walk with their head down. And they walk low. And you talk to people. And as you talk to people, hey, how you doing? Fine. You think, oh my goodness, you need a transfusion or something. People are depressed. People are discouraged. Perhaps uh, you're a, a, a male or female, but right now I'll give a female, and, and your, your husband goes to work and you're at home. Well, if you have no responsibility at home, you're probably going to be depressed. I watch people. I've been here 43 years almost, my wife and I. I watch people. We've got a crowd over here all these 43 years four decades of watching it, thousands of people. I've pastored ten thousand, tens of thousands of people in these years. And I watch this crowd that I'm not married. I'm not married. I can't make it. I'm so lonely. I'm so sad. I can't sing in church. I can't serve the Lord. I'm just so, what they are, they're low. They're depressed. And then I watch the crowd that gets married. I'm so, I'm so depressed. I'm thinking if you... Can just switch somehow. He thinks if he gets married, she thinks if she gets married, he thinks if he gets unmarried, they've got the whole thing solved. And then you're so excited, that first baby, oh, or so, and then that baby is harder to raise than you thought. And the second, and the third, and the fourth. And there's job situations. And then there's going to school. I can't make it. These poor little kids, my little kids are going to school. And then there comes a point we can't wait for them to get out of school. And then there comes a point where one by one they leave. And this, this is, this, you talk to the preachers in America today. I don't think we can have kids going to full-time service anymore. Parents are too depressed. You raise your kids to release them. They don't belong to you. Give them back to God. The problem is so many times our Children become our security blanket. And when the security blanket is gone, I got, I'm a president of a college. I, I get all the time, I don't know if I can have my kids go to Bible college. They come from every state. I don't know if I can, I don't know if I can live without them. Your kids are a heritage of God. You're just entrusted to their care. I'm almost thinking that the day of sending kids to the mission field's over. Because I don't know if mothers and dads will let them go. Can I go? I recall my wife saying when we were raising our kids, I'd rather have my kids halfway around the globe in the will of God than living right next door out of the will of God. 
You know the story about that. We have three kids all in the ministry and all three of them live within four blocks, four different, three different directions from our house. And they're all serving God. But two of them felt called of God to preach and took nine of our grandkids within a year's time, one to Arizona, one to Southern California. I'm telling you what, there is a transition there. I must say, I don't really, I'm not excited about it. I wish we were serving God together. But I know that and by the grace of God, they're in the will of God. I'd rather have them there than here. We really don't get to see them anymore. One's having a birthday today. We don't get to see them. One just had her 16th birthday. One of our grandkids, we didn't get to see her. I couldn't even make contact. They tried, they were out of town to talk to her on her 16th birthday. And we love that family. We love both families. But you leave father and mother. And you cleave to your wife. I, I've never seen in, in nationwide in our churches more people trying to get out of serving God. I can't teach my class anymore. Can't, and not just all over the Can't teach my class anymore. Can't teach my, work my bus anymore. Can't be a mechanic anymore. Can't sing in the choir anymore. What are you doing for eternity? What in the world are you doing for God? Serve the Lord with gladness. God did save you to sit and to sour and to soak. Sometimes I think of my, and this is the greatest church in America, I'm thinking, God, are you done with me? Sometimes it becomes like a babysitting service. I'm thinking, what are we thinking? You're a deacon, a deacon's wife. God gives you responsibility. If you're a staff member, a staff member, God gives you responsibility. If you're a member of this church, God's giving you something to do. I can't do it. I'm, I'm so down. We're going to have to get over it. So, well, you're not a loving pastor. Oh, no, I'm being loving. Just like when my dad used to whip me, he said, I love you, son. Depression is... It's something we all face. There's plenty of, the Bible doesn't give us the word depression, but there's plenty of illustrations. Uh, there's a man, who they said is one of the historians say the top five men in world history that influenced the nation, the, the world. His name was Moses. Our, our laws of this nation were based upon the Ten Commandments of Moses and the laws that, that he set forth in the Word of God, the robes that our judges still wear as a result of him. His picture, I was just there at Supreme Court, his picture is right there above the speaker's desk. Moses got so depressed one day, he said, God, kill me, kill me. In addition to Moses, that great man who got to the point, he said, God, just kill me. One of the greatest prophets ever known to man was a man in 1 Kings chapter 18 and 1 Kings chapter 19 by the name of Elijah. And Elijah, who called down fire from heaven. Elijah, the man of God, who prayed that the rain would stop for three and a half years. Elijah came to the point and said, God, can't take it. Kill me. This man, Job, the great man, the greatest man of the East spiritually, God, kill me. 
the man that preached the greatest revival known to man, over 600,000 converts. His name was Jonah. And Jonah said, God, kill me. After the revival. After the revival. Pastor, you ever get depressed? I don't want to tell you if I do or not, but I tell you this, I'm human. Everybody faces low days. But sometimes your low days go for low weeks and low months. And they have to be dealt with spiritually. Or you'll destroy yourself and Hebrews 13, 15, those around you. Because that sin defiles many. It defiles your wife, sir. Sir, when you live in depression, well, I'm getting old. I can't do the things I used to do. Good, outsource it. Come on, get, get up with it, enjoy life. Here's a lady, I, I just, I, I'm, I can't do what I used to do. Well, do something. Here's a, here's a child, and they get depressed, or here's a young person or a college student gets depressed, or a business person gets depressed. Turn with me in your Bibles, please, to the book of Philippians today. Now, give us a formula from the Word of God on this thing of depression. The book of Philippians, please. And as you turn there, it has never been God's plan for a child of God to live in depression. Instead, God's word says, thanks be unto God that giveth us the victory. 1 Corinthians 15, 57. Thanks be unto God that giveth us the depression. No, God does not give depression. God doth not give us the spirit of fear, but of power, 2 Timothy 1, 7, and of might and of a sound mind. God has enabled us that we can live on the winning side, victory. God has allowed it that the Bible says, I can do all things through Christ. That's not depression through, who strengthened me. God's word says, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagle. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. God says you can soar high. You don't have to live down here low. God's word says thou wilt keep peace whose mind is stayed on thee. I think many lose their peace because they get on that dumb thing called the internet. And you absorb your life with all the garbage going on. A pastor called me and said, Brother Tree, brother, all those things on the internet. You know, somebody's saying something about you. And did you know that three of those people on there were all staff members of my ministry at one time? And they all became sodomites and they hate the church. People that trash one another on the internet are exposing the fact this is my problem. This is my situation. They've not learned the joy of getting victory over their depression. Over their situation, we begin to magnify the situation and we get up thinking about I'm so lonely, I'm so sad, I'm so discouraged, I'm so heart full of heartbreak, there's hopelessness, and we forget about God's given us a great life to live. Amen. My Bible says that rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. As far as I know, every pastor I talk to Every pastor I know, I think they're going through people's lives and helping people that are 
are depressed. They're empty. How do we deal with depression? This little book called Philippians is four, four chapters. It's 104 verses. That's all it is. And yet 18 times, Paul, who is in a jail cell. Now, what kind of jail cell was it? Well, historians tell us what the jails were like. They were not, you walk into an air-conditioned room and you put the bars shut behind them. The jail cells were under the ground and they would put the ropes or the clothing underneath the armholes of these prisoners and they begin to lower them down 15, 20 feet deep. It was cold. It was damp. Oftentimes water was running to make a cold, damp feeling down there. That's why Paul writes, send my cloak. I need my coat. I'm freezing here. Paul was arrested for preaching the gospel. He could sit there and think, can you believe what? I've been serving God. And look what I'm getting out of serving God. But Paul writes us these 104 verses and 18 times he says, rejoice. The word rejoice or joy. Elementary chapel with the kids, we'll sing it again this fall. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. If you don't have joy, it's not God's fault. And we cannot blame the situation. They said, this, this is the reason why I don't have joy. Joy is determined by you. And joy is determined by me. And I can tell you from experience, you don't pass through the same church for as long as I have and not have days that are filled with despair and overwhelming disappointment and sorrows. And it just seems like the older you become, the more they come. But by the grace of God, I don't want to end my life, as a preacher once said, in a swamp. I want to live in my life, come to the last day on the winning side. I want to be faithful to God because he's faithful to me. So what's the formula? This man stayed fired up. This man in jail stayed encouraged. He was taking his life to encourage others in their Christian walk. How could he do that when everything was taken from him? His freedom was taken from him. His, his position in life was taken from him. He was no longer a preacher. He's in a jail in the ground. It's cold. It's damp. It's dark. How could he have joy? Number one, Christ. Look at Philippians chapter 1 and verse 21. I'd like you to read that verse with me if you would aloud. Philippians 1 verse 21. Ready? Begin. Chapter 3 and verse number 10, if you would please. That I may know my troubles know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. For to me to live is Christ. For to me to live is Christ. The great commandment, Matthew 22, 37, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might, 
A new situation will not satisfy that depression. A new person, a new raise, a new outfit, a new car, a new house, a new environment is not the answer for life. You, they, those may come. I wish I could pastor all of you to the day that you die or I die. It may not work that way. But you don't go looking for a new house to make you happy. You don't go looking for a new mate to make you happy. If you cannot be happy where God has planted you, a change of location is not going to cause you to have joy. When I lost my joy, when I lose my joy, the problem is not the church. The problem is not God. The problem is I've got my eyes off the Lord Jesus Christ and I've placed my eyes on my problem. When the road is rough and steep, fix your eyes upon Jesus. He has power to keep. Fix your eyes upon him. Jesus is a faithful friend, one on whom you can depend. He will keep you to the high end. Fix your eyes upon him. Where are you focused? Well, my, my checkbook. This church has been extremely good to us. Extremely good to us. I have no complaints. And I came to the end of the month last month and I looked at my checkbook balance and said $5. $5. And I said, Lord, I want to thank you for that $5. Because I remember in the early days here what had a minus in front of it. I don't think it's going to be an easy ride financially. But I do know this, friend, when I begin to focus on situations and money and heartaches and letters that are unkind and people that say things, and I begin to focus here, that means I've taken my eyes off of the Lord Jesus Christ, seeing him who is invisible. Oh, we begin to love our problems and our condition more than Jesus Christ. And we get depressed. We were singing with Brother Caleb in our class this morning. He playing the piano. We were singing all songs about Jesus, little courses about Jesus. And I tell you, I, got, I sing about it, songs like that. I won't sing those, but Jesus is all the world to me. My life, my joy, my all. He is my friend. From day to day without him, I would fall. When I am sad to him, I go. No other one can cheer me so. And perhaps you're at the point where I have been, where you're so sad and you're so low, Jesus cannot get you happy. It tells me he's not the problem. I'm absorbed with Jack. I'm looking at Jack. And I have this pity party for Jack. Job was in his pity party. Job was having a hard time. How'd you like to be? How'd you like to be married to his wife? I think we focus on the first part where she says in chapter two, Job, curse God. And I think that's where we end it. That's not where she ends it. Curse God. Hey, Job, die. How'd you like to be married to a mate that says, you know, the answer to your problem is, would you just die? Good wife she was. I love reading what we call the old Negro spirituals. People in this country that went through times that were very sad, very difficult. Mr. Lincoln in this book 
was showing illustration of that. God forbid, and I don't, I'm not trying to be offensive, but whippings. I can't understand that. I grew up right here. I, I never knew that there was a problem. I, I never knew it between white and black. I never heard of it. And in 1969, I was in Alabama and Georgia. I was at a gas station. I'll never forget it. Never forget it in my life. It shook me. Because there's restrooms on the inside, and then it said colored around back. I, I never knew that existed. That's why this is such a powerful read with malice toward none. One man usurps himself over another. But you know what the old black men and women did? And please hear me. They didn't turn to the streets. They turned to God. Nobody knows. The old Negro spiritual. The trouble I've seen. Nobody knows but Jesus. The race, the black race, has such a spiritual root in this country because they turn to God. When abused like the Egyptians abused the Jews, they turn to God. And may I say today, as I think of this, we, we, we must turn to Christ. He's the answer. We must turn to, this is just the letter C, and I'll have to give you the rest real quickly. This is not the right one, but I like it. You have to turn to your cranium. I know cranium is this skull up here, this, but inside the skull, there's something called a brain. Most of us have one. Notice what he says in Philippians 4, verse 8. I want you to see secondly. Not only do we keep our eyes on Christ, but our mind, our cranium. Let's, let's read chapter 4, verse 8. Powerful verse where he closes, think on these things. Where you put your mind, watch what he says. Let's read it together. Ready? Begin. Finally, brethren, what's your tell you about it. I try not to tell my wife ever. I guess she can read it. I try never to tell the staff or anybody. Hey, pastor, how you doing? Great! You say you're lying? Yes. Or sometimes I'll say, hey, how you doing? I'm defeated, I'm discouraged, I'm depressed, I'm down, I'm low, I'm downhearted. I'm so low I can spit on the floor and slide under the door. That's how I'm doing. And I'll say, oh yeah, not you. And we'll walk away, they'll smile, I'll smile, and I'll go say, it's me. We all face it. And when I get that point, and when you get that, you're not thinking, you're not thinking things that are true. 
Now, when you say, well, it is true. I don't have what they... No, no, no. It's not true because he is truth. It's not talking about just your truth. It's talking about are you, how, how attached are you to Jesus? Are you thinking about him? I think of my blessed Redeemer. I think of him all the day long. I'll have people all week long tell me about how sad, how depressed, how discouraged, how defeated. Rarely do I have someone say, you know what, the Lord's been so good to me. And when that happens, it's always something new toy they got or no new thing they got or a, a, a raise they got. But it's rarely about God showed me something. God did this. God, and it's rarely about God because we don't have time for God. We're too pre-absorbed with our problems. And so I want you to think on things that are true, things that are honest, things that are just, and things that are pure, and things that are lovely, and of good report, and virtuous. Think on these things. I want to have victory? Well, the apostle Paul did. He turned to Christ. He turned his cranium. He let this mind be in you. I'll skip over it for the sake of time while you're there. Chapter 4, verse 11. Not that I speak of respect of want, but I've learned in whatsoever state I am, therewith be content. And the word is contentment. If I want to get rid of this depression, I'm going to have to turn to Christ. I'm going to have to get my cranium, my brain in there thinking on good things. I have to think right. I have to think right. And then I have to be learning the contentment. I just preached the message three weeks ago Sunday morning on contentment. So I don't need to go back and preach it, but I will say this. That's a learned behavior. I have learned in whatsoever state I am to be content. You'll not be content in the next situation if you're not content in the present situation. Amen. You know, if I could just, if I could just have a different church, different area are you kidding me I've never I've never longed after another church in America or the world never had any desire for any other place that was settled in my heart when God brought me here I think of the years I was wasted with my life the average stay of a pastor, and I know one of these days I'm going to out, wear out my welcome, for I understand that. But the average stay of a pastor is less than, less than two years. That means by now you would have had 21 pastors going on your 22nd. I don't think we could have seen happen what God has done. But with the joys that come and Weddings and births and schooling and weddings and marriages and children and, and grandchildren. With those joys come a lot of hurt. And that's the thing that makes staying difficult. I read an article a few years ago. It said a pastor should, know, no, should never stay longer than 10 years. Because after 10 years, the heartaches will begin to reveal themselves. And the disappointments in marriage and in children and in membership. And people will leave and it will break your heart. So pastors, you should get a fresh start every 10 years. I thank God and I thank God's people for allowing us to stay. 
I want to say, if you cannot find contentment, I know, I know, I hear it all the time. I know where I live. Well, this is the Silicon Valley. I know where I live. It is the Silicon Valley. It's the place with no mosquitoes and no humidity and no thunderstorms on the 22nd day of July. So well, I just love that. I know, T, get there. I've been there. Why can't we learn contentment? We sing, a tent or a cottage, why should I care? They're building a palace for me over there. <laughs> well, we, we, we have to be on the stretch for more all the time. Contentment. I'll tell you why we're depressed. We're not content. In this state, I'm, okay, I'm single. I'll, I'll, I'll wait, God. I'll just wait. You bring the person. Okay, my health is breaking. God, I'll, I'll, I'll get direction from you. You're going to send people in my life that can help me. But if you cannot find contentment here, this job, I hate this job. Well, why don't you go tomorrow and try to love that job? We're out of time, but I, I would like to say, verse 13, confidence. I can do all things through Christ. You can allow God to win this victory over depression. I have several points and I'm out of time, but I will in closing say this. A, a great man of God talked to me this week. He's pastored this church for a long time. He's younger than I am, a few years, but he's one of the greatest preachers I know. Been in that church really a lifetime. He said, Brother Treber, I've never never seen it like this he said God's people it seems like the vast majority are living in total despair just total despair I said I, I know what you're talking about I see it I love the sheep of this church I'm your pastor I love you so much But I'm overwhelmed how depressed God's people are. I'm just, I'm overwhelmed. I don't understand it. I don't understand how people can get so off the, off the charts or so mad at one another, yelling at one another, frustrated with them. I just, well, you have to understand, I just got a vent. Where's that? There's going to have to be a turning back. You say, well, Preacher is saying it, 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 it. Don't you see the despair when when people are having rallies for the Socialist Party of America in America and want to get rid of our heritage? A lot of despair politically. A lot of anger politically. Economic struggles. Family, domestic problems with one another. Courts are filled with trying to get parents. And a mother takes a gun this week and shoots her kid. A 92-year-old woman last week kills her 72-year-old son. 
Our Father, I don't mean to be depressing. I don't want to be, but we live in a depressed day. And our people, we're going to have to, pastor and people like, we're going to have to turn our eyes upon the Lord Jesus Christ in these last days. You told us it'd get this way. You said it's going to be perilous times, difficult times, savage times. And it seems like everywhere we look, it's there. We're there. And I pray that we would truly, God, get our eyes fixed on you, that, that our attention might be on Christ. I, I want to say, Lord, this week, I want to think about you all day long. I think of my blessed Redeemer. I don't want to think on, dwell on the heartaches and the disappointment and the frustrations and the hurts and the betrayals of life. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.